Good morning. My name is Maureen, and our scripture reading for this morning is John chapter 15, verses 18 through 27. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you. Oh, I'm good. Thank you. Whoops. Just to get started this morning... How about those? <laughs> After such a fun celebratory week, uh, a passage that Maureen just read may seem like a bit of a downer, talking about the hatred of the world. Uh, we'll get into that shortly, but there's actually some good news for us in the passage, too. But to begin, I have a question for all of you this morning. Sorry to leave you in suspense, uh, but if you knew you only had a few hours left in this world, what would you make it a priority to do? Would you go skydiving? Would you go Rocky Mountain climbing? Those of you who know the song, uh, it's uh, Tim McGraw's classic 2004 hit, uh, Live Like You Were Dying, in addition to some fun Experiences including making it 2.7 seconds on a, on a bull. Uh, the song talks about addressing things that really matter before one dies. Loving deeper, speaking sweeter, giving forgiveness previously denied. Last few weeks we've been studying Jesus' final words to his disciples on the night before his death. And so... It's good to pay attention to the things that he prioritized both to say and to do in this critical time before his death. So what does he do? Well, he has a good meal with his closest friends. And he's got some things he wants to make clear to them before he leaves them. He begins curiously. He opens the night by taking the culturally low position of washing their feet. He's welcoming them into his lifestyle of putting others before himself. He tells them, and I'll read this from John 13, 
a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By, all, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So love is to be their agenda. And he tells them he's going to leave. And they're discouraged. And he's been comforting, comforting them by saying, look, you can still interact with me even after I'm gone. He says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. They're not left to accomplish the agenda of love in their own strength. Rather, their interactive relationship with God is to be their power source. To illustrate this, Jesus tells them, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. As branches, in order to bear fruit, they must plug into God's agenda of love and into him as their power source to accomplish what they cannot accomplish on their own. I imagine at this point the disciples are starting to feel a little bit better. And then he really gets down to it in today's passage. So Jesus starts to get real with them about the kind of opposition they're going to face. And that it's precisely because of their plugging into God, like branches on the vine, that the world will hate them. But instead of joining the world's agenda or fighting the world... On the night before his death, Jesus gives his disciples another strategy, to be his witnesses, which is what the world really needs. So being being Jesus' witnesses is to be their response, and it is to be our response uh, today as well. Before we begin today's passage, would you please pray with me? Our Father, please make this word that Jesus spoke to his friends thousands of years ago, clear now for our own application today. We who desire to walk with you and to experience you in our lives ask that you would lead us into the reality of abiding with you in our daily lives, that we would stand as your witnesses amid the hatred of the world, and that you would meet us there in your love and power. Thank you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. To begin, let's consider the question, why will the world hate disciples of Jesus? Let's begin in verse 18 of John 15. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. What does Jesus mean by the world? You know, you read that and you think, okay, the world is going, everyone, if everyone hates you, Know that they hated me before they hated you. But that's, 
not quite what Jesus is after here. There's, this word world has a little more nuance to it. If you, if you do a search for this Greek word cosmos, which is our English word world here, the way it's used in the original language, it doesn't just refer to all the inhabitants of the earth, all the human inhabitants of the earth. It actually refers more broadly to the order of the world, the way it's structured, the world as an ordered system. Let me illustrate what this order is like by extending Jesus' illustration of the vine and the branches. Makes a lot of sense that a vine, a branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine. But what if a branch doesn't like the vine's agenda, doesn't want to submit to the vine as its power source? Well, that's where the world offers an alternative to the vine. It's as if a bunch of disconnected branches get together and begin to form their own ordered system. It's not quite a vine, but they say, hey, we've got a little life in us. Let's link up and tie together and share resources and we can get some things done. On the one hand, you know, you've got to love seeing branches get together. And there's nothing wrong with the branches in themselves. Branches are good. But if they don't tie into the vine, maybe not so good, actually. They certainly won't get very far. This strange system of disconnected branches doesn't have much of a power source. But what makes it an attractive alternative to the vine is that it can set its own agenda. In 1 John chapter 2, John shows us that instead of God's agenda of love, the world, used in this way, makes its agenda its desires. Let's look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. John writes, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So what the world does for an agenda is desire. It's desires. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes. The best the world can do for a power source is the pride of life. And here we can think of the vaunting, manipulation, domination that are used by human beings to push others down in order to raise themselves up, to exert their will over others. That's the best the world can drum up in its self-reliance. To make up for the resources it's not getting from the vine, it ends up sucking life from the other plants to accomplish what it wants. And ultimately, we read, it's passing away. It doesn't work. And so it's becoming clear why the world hates followers of Jesus. Their agendas often conflict. Jesus explains in verse 19, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, Therefore, the world hates you. Those who are not of the world make sense to the world. 
those not of the world to get a little suspicious of. You can kind of imagine the branches in the ordered system looking at a branch connected to the vine saying, you're pretty vibrant. Have you been plugged into the vine? Oh, I don't like that vine. I heard it's bad news. Also, I can't trust it because I can't see it. I can't control it. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not interested. Thank you. See, the truth is, those branches are scared of the vine. They're scared of the vine's agenda. Why? It might keep them from getting what they want. They're afraid of love's demands. So they hate those who are not of the world. Why else does the world hate the disciples of Jesus? They're the ones with the real power source. Jesus says in John 15, 20, Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. Prayer in Jesus' name was to be the disciples' power source. Alignment in the will and ways of God connects one to the flow and power of God. And the power of God, the power of the vine, is an indictment against the power of the ordered system. Because if it's true that that kind of power is out there, then the disconnected branches can't keep living a lie. They're living a lie. Because the truth is, there's no life for them apart from the vine. The world's way is just a system of oppression. If some branches flourish, it's at the expense of others. It's just a game to accomplish the desires of those who have the most influence. And so the world doesn't want to hear about the real power source of the disciples of Jesus, and it hates them for it. It doesn't want to know about Jesus, therefore it doesn't want to know about God. Jesus continues in verse 22. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. Their rejection of Jesus shows that they also reject God. Jesus' power source is God. He is God, and He represents a human being perfectly at home in an interactive relationship with God. The world will also reject you if you plug into the vine like this. Why? You're not tied into its way of doing things. You cross its will. You're tied into the will of God. You're tied in the name of Jesus. That's why the world hates you. That's why the world will hate you. And now we can consider the question, how are we as disciples of Jesus going to respond to the world? Or what are we going to do about the world? I see three options. Three viable options, okay? Number one, we say, can't beat them, 
Join them. Just join the world's agenda. Just go with the flow. Be a branch, disconnected from the vine, plugging into branches. We don't have to look hard in our contemporary moment to see how often this is done. Compromising Jesus' agenda of love and capitulating to the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's not an option we want to choose. Okay, number two. Instead of being a branch that plugs into the world's branch system, we could be a branch that just smacks the world's branches, right? Breaks it up, fights fire with fire. We see plenty of this in our contemporary context as well. And there's been a real shift culturally over the last several decades where the, the power seems to have shifted from the religious to the irreligious. And in this cultural moment, we can be tempted to think what we need is just to get the power back. We need to get control. Okay, that doesn't sound much like the agenda of love. It sounds like chasing power the same way the world does power. Just going to be more oppression that way. So whatever our solution is, it's going to involve us not doing power that way. It's going to involve us plugging into the vine, the real power source. Jesus gives us a third option here at the end of this passage. Verse 26, he says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So what I'll propose is that our response to the world is to be Jesus' witnesses. Witnesses to life on the vine. Let's be clear what we mean here by witness. You can think about a witness in a court of law, someone who... This is someone who has had first-hand experience, whether in a subject matter, they're brought in to the witness stand to give a testimony of, on, based on their subject matter, or maybe they're being called as a witness to bear testimony of something they've seen, something they've interacted with. You can only bear witness to something you know, and if all you know is the way of the world, then that's all you can bear witness to. We can think we're witnessing, but if we really don't know by experience life on the vine, if love is not our agenda and our interactive relationship with God is not our power source, then we can just be caught playing a religious game. And I can give a practical example of this. I once knew a young man who had grown up in the church, and I guess he had some insecurities because he got into a bad habit of elevating himself in his mind over and against others. He got into, rather subtly, treating those around him with contempt. Those who weren't Christians, for example, he became judgmental of. And those who were Christians, he began to judge the genuineness of their faith. What this young man didn't realize was that even though he thought he was tied into Jesus' religion, he was operating as if he were of the world. 
His agenda was the desires of his flesh and his eyes, and his power source, the pride of life. So instead of being a witness, he ended up being a nuisance to most people he interacted with. And by now, I wonder if you figured out that this young man was me. I wasn't bearing witness to life in the vine because it wasn't my day-to-day reality. Love really wasn't my agenda. God was not my power source. I misunderstood and am still learning by experience what Jesus really has in mind for his disciples. While I was willing to show contempt for the world, here's what we read in the most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God loves the world. Jesus says very much the same thing in John 12, 46 and 47. Jesus says, I have come into the light as light. I've come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Save the world. This is a rescue mission? Yeah. Tables have turned, right? The script has been flipped. The real goal is not for the world to stop hating me? Right. The goal is to join Jesus' mission of love, which is to save the world. So what will that look like? Let's go back to verse 26. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. The Spirit bears witness to Jesus and the abundant life that is available through him. What the disordered branches didn't realize was that the vine life is actually the good life. And they're being deceived, fearful of the vine. But the truth is, that's their best opportunity. And so, if the truth can come to them in a way that they won't reject it, they might get the message. How can that happen? Yes, the Holy Spirit will be knocking on the door of their hearts. But Jesus has something in mind in verse 27. He says, And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. He's getting us involved. If the content of our lives shows forth the reality of abiding in the vine, then yes, the world will hate us. But it is also our primary opportunity to bear witness to the truth that the vine is trustworthy. That those who are willing to take Jesus at His word will not experience the perishing that comes in the world, but will have eternal life. 
And the Spirit of truth will bear witness to this, and we can too, because we have been with Him. We find a great example of what this witness looks like in the book of Acts. Lots of good examples, but I want to call out uh, the story of Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas have caused a stir in the city. They've been operating in the power of Jesus, and they've defied the agenda of the world, both the religious power of the day and also the political power. And it gets them thrown in jail. And in their jail cell, they're singing amid the hatred of the world. They have this incredible joy. It's bubbling up. It's kind of inspiring, you know, people are listening from down the hall. A bit confusing probably too. And then, the, then in the middle of the night, boom, an earthquake. The doors of the jail come loose. Everyone's ready to run for the doors, but not Paul and Silas. The jailer wakes up and sees that the prison doors are open and assumes it's a jailbreak. And he knows, given the way the Roman system works, as the jailer, if he allows a jailbreak, he's as good as dead. But then he sees Paul and Silas, and they say, hey, we're all still here. And he's stunned. He's going, what? You didn't run? What are you doing? What? what? You're, not, you're not into self-protection? You're not into advancing what you want over and against others? See, he didn't know what it was like to watch someone at work whose agenda was love. who didn't have to play self-protection, but who acted in God's power. And it saved his life. And so the jailer says, look, I don't understand this, but I want in. I'm ready to go. Me and my whole family, we're here. We want whatever it is you're offering. So not only then does an enemy become a... Not only is he no longer an enemy... He now becomes a member of the family. That's, that's Jesus' idea. His whole household as well, they come to Jesus. That's the power of witness. When those who are of the world see the real thing, from afar, you know, they may hate it because they think it's going to cross their agenda, but when they really see it for what it is, they see it's their invitation to come to Jesus and the life he has for them. So the night before Jesus was killed, Jesus is he's calling now his disciples to be his witnesses and his call extends to us today. To not go with the way of the world nor just bash the world, but to bear witness to life in the vine, a life with God. So with the help of the Spirit, let's get it right. Let's get our agenda right. Love, not just what we might desire. Let's get our power source right. God and our life with Him. Not manipulation, domination, or the pride of life. When we're absorbed in God's purposes, then everything we undertake, we get to undertake, not just in our own power, we can do it in God's power. We do that by prayer. We pray in His name. That means we're praying in alignment with His purposes. 
Dallas Willard defined prayer as talking to God about what you're doing together, which would mean we're interacting with God and working with Him on His mission and His agenda of love for the world. Now that will stand as a witness, and that will have an impact on the world. It will help the people who may be opposing you. As his witness, you flip the script. You get to love them as you operate in God's power as you go. That's what being a witness is all about. Let's turn back to God in prayer now before we conclude. Our Father, thank you for your word, for Jesus' words that come now to us. Please help us. Help us make your love for those around us our agenda. Help us operate through the spirit of truth in your power as Jesus did. In each of our contexts, help us to bear witness to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.